heaven? No. It's Iowa. Eric, you want to make a thousand bucks? Man, I'm not falling for one of your Ponzi schemes. Hey, Amway's definitely about to take off, but look, I'm a thousand bucks a podcast, man. But I'll do podcasts with you for free. Bullshit, you make a thousand a podcast. When they bleach your hair, do they bleach your brain too? Done a lot of lying in my time. I've lied to men named Eric. I've lied to men who have goatees. But I'd never be so stupid as to lie to a man named Eric who has a goatee. No way. I'd, I'd rather eat chicken liver and garlic pickles, fan. Yeah, I've met a lot of hard-boiled eggs in my life, but you, you're all 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It means we were talking about Ace in the Hole on the Pod of Dreams. Quiet, everybody! Listen to me! Listen! this sinister mountain, a man is buried alive, trapped by a cave-in. And from every part of a shocked and anxious nation, the crowds stream to watch the desperate rescue crews fighting against time. We'll be out of here by tomorrow morning. No, I won't. I'll never reach me by tomorrow morning. You'll be out of here in 12 hours. Hang on! Kirk Douglas has his greatest role as the reporter who would do anything for a story. Jan Sterling becomes a star of the first rank as the not-so-heartbroken wife of the man buried beneath the mountain. Maybe we'll have a couple of drinks. Phony, below-the-belt journalism, that's what it is. Not below the belt, right in the gut, Mr. Boot. Human interest. Nothing you've ever seen before has the tremendous human interest of Ace in the Hole. All right, Eric. So today we're talking about the Billy Wilder film, Ace in the Hole. This was my selection. Uh, no surprise, no shame. I love this movie immensely. You uh, love manly men. Big old puff guys who get their way, who get shit done, who don't take shit from anybody, and they're always in control. I hated this guy. You hated him. Chuck, Chucky Tatum was awful. He's a terrible leading character. You like this guy? No, I didn't like him at all. I don't think we're supposed to. I didn't know if you were oh being impressed by his ability to no, accomplish his goals. Obnoxious. It was actually over the top. His obnox- It was unnecessary for the story, and it was it was over the top and too much. I thought, but we're getting oh, yeah. ahead of ourselves a little bit. Oh no, he this. I mean, he doesn't chew on the scenery. He just melts it. But. No, but um, like, have you ever met anybody that acted the way he did in that movie? No, no human no, acts that way. No, it's it's a movie. A, a lot of characters you like don't act a way like any person acts. That's not a disqualifier for me. I agree it's over the top. I, you could write in a little bit, but I I love the performance. It's entertaining. I, I don't root for him. I don't like him, but I'm not bored watching him. I don't look at this and think, man, this guy's bland. He this was guy's just nothing such a dick. He was such an absolute dick. Oh, yeah, dick. he's awful. I mean, he's he's morally reprehensible. That He he states that on the front end. I mean, it, there's not even a section, uh, as, like any part of this movie where it's ambiguous whether we're supposed to like him or not. I mean, we're not. 
He's he's a jerk. Is, was that like successful people back in the 40s acted that way? Like men just like walked around and were racist and slapped women and just did whatever they want, demanded well, jobs. There were probably a lot of guys like that. Uh, I, I don't know if that was required to be successful or how successful it was, but here at least we're being critical of him. I, I don't think we were really supposed to admire him at all. I think just the opposite. And well, this is part of a, a lickety split satire with not a, an ounce of fat on it. So why did you pick this movie? That, that's the whole time I'm watching this is like, okay, I didn't hate it. That uh, you know, I know we talked a little bit about Sunset Boulevard, like, but why this movie? Why did you pick this? So there is not a movie that I've seen that is a better criticism of the whole media apparatus, including us as consumers of media. Literally, it spares nobody at all in this movie. Everybody gets taken through the through the rails on this stroked over the coals whatever the metaphor is i butchered that but that's why i love this movie i mean I, so I, you I hate really the well. media and you think it's all fake news so that's why you like this so much well first of all if you uh, hate left-wing media you could easily see what you want to see there's a rorschach test here for whatever you think the problem is with media in america you can find it in here that would be selective because it's it's critical of every aspect of media of how we consume it and mixed in with capitalism and how capitalism works and how humans process information and what we want to see and exploitation, a billion things going on with this movie. Uh, if you're in, you know, you can see Chuck Tatum and think here's this elitist newspaper man who doesn't actually care about the little person and just wants to go back to New York and be great. You can see that. You can see a media that, that lies to people and, uh, you know, feeds them bad information and is corrupt and is in with the government. You can take all kinds of, of directions. But I, I love Billy Wilder. He has this incredible run, uh, at least starting with double indemnity in the mid-40s through the apartment in 1960. He has all of these fantastic, really, really lickety-split movies where crackling dialogue with lots of satire and criticism uh I mean, it's not even buried. It's right there. But it, it's so well done. It, it's very, very critical. And this is one I thought about. Hey, I've never seen like Stalling 17. That's another Billy Wilder movie I've never seen. And I thought about doing that one because it'd be nice to sort of expand the list. But I, I look at this movie and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it when I watched it, say, a decade ago. Since I watched it a few days ago, I've been thinking about it. It is fantastic. I like really, really sharp satire. There isn't a lot of that these days that's that functional, that's that vicious, and that's why I picked this movie. So you didn't hate it, which is impressive for an old movie because you don't like the movie much. <laughs> well, I, I just have, I have a hard time connecting with older movies. That's sort of a running theme you and I have had in our discussions about movies. Um, I had never seen this before. I fired up the popular streaming service called pluto tv i don't know if you're familiar with it but oh, it you, the, you, you endured the commercials i i did i did endure the commercials it's a nice break to jump on the phone and do some second screening during the commercials although you, you see the same ones over and over again oh yeah i, I tried uh, and i had to like i'm just gonna run it this is i've, I've done I that do a few it. times where i've started watching it on one of these free services and i get halfway through it's like i'm just gonna rent it i can't do this but i right. was okay with this um i liked i you know i liked how it's I like the conceit of the of the of the movie. Like I like the idea of this reporter guy sort of fa falling into this story and using it as a way to like you know get back in good graces in the in the media world. Um, so like the conceit of the movie, I like. I thought that the whole like 
framing of it was kind of stupid. So this guy just happened, like, they just happened to be at this gas station, and this dude who, for some reason, digs for, like, pots and pans and stuff in a cave just happened to have a cave-in on him that day. Like, that's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous that that's the really that's that's where he goes it's a movie so obviously it gets to cheat and it has him happen to be in the right place at the right time that's that's where you're it's too much no no it's just no it's just just that it's this guy digging for pots and pans and and that the cave falls in on him i just it seemed like an odd like want to have it be a minor or something like that like i just it was a weird weird deal that he was in this like native american burial ground sort of thing finding pots and pans i don't know is there was there like a big market for that kind of thing is that was that like an actual thing that people did? I I, I was just confused by that. Like, what the hell is what's what the hell is with this guy in this cave? Like, what, what's going it's on worth here? Worth money. I I'll just accept that you could sell historical, you know, Native American artifacts for money. He, you know, he finds the pot when he's after he's carried, and he's like, "This is worth fifty bucks. Like, this is a beauty. You have to go in real far to get the good stuff." I mean, he has that old exchange. I'm willing to concede that that okay, yeah, he finds that and he can say, "Hey, look, this is worth money." Or, and get some archaeologist to pay for it or something. That's but then whatever. it just it goes over the top, I think, with his like basically creating the story and building this whole narrative about this guy trapped and lying about what's happening. And I mean, like the, the subtle things I thought were interesting, like how they could have got him out quicker, but decided to go the other way because that would have taken longer and then ended up being, you know, spoiler alert, his downfall. But um, it, I just thought it was it was just way over the top. You talk about satire, like this was one of the most like in your face satires that I can I can ever remember seeing. It's just it's just over the top. Like Doctor Strange Love is a satire, but that's like supposed to be funny. Like you're laughing at what's happening. This wasn't funny at all. No. At least I don't think it was supposed to be. No, it's not trying to be. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't care about It was at all. super dark. I mean, if you think about what ends up happening. Oh yeah. Um, it's grim. Uh, yeah, I just they just they don't seem like real people to me, and that's one of the problems with like movies in the fifties. It's like these are not like people I even understand the way the way they talk, the way they act. Like he just the the wife character, and we can talk about her. Like, what the hell was that character that he wrote into this movie? She so she just wants to take off, and then he slaps her around and basically bosses her around. It was just her, her character made no sense to me. Like what was going on there? Well, so I mean, I her. Motivations are pretty straightforward. She got this guy married her and kind of talked a big game about this business he owned out west. And it was really just kind of a souvenir shop gas station that's very few people go to and uh, sleepy little middle of nowhere, New Mexico. And she's really unsatisfied with her life. Uh, she wanted to be in a big city. She wanted more action. She wanted to have more social yeah, engagement. She's the only she woman get. in the entire story, and she's this conniving, like – awful woman who just wants to take off because her husband is trapped in a cave. And she wanted to take off before then. That was going to be the opportunity. I don't know. I, I sympathize with her a lot more uh, than, than you do, apparently. She, I mean, so she wants to leave this guy and she's kind of mean towards him or you know, he's he's the guy trapped in the cave is kind of a dope. Well, she cuckolds okay. him while he's trapped in a cave. Like, Jesus Christ, what, what the heck? Okay, that's fine. But she also tried to leave and then he hunted her down and wouldn't let her go. And she didn't deserve to get hit or bossed around. And then she ends up, you know, killing a guy because the guy was trying to kill her, you know, and she ends up leaving. And 
she's maybe not a great person, but she's not required to stay with him if she was unhappy. What do you mean is killing a guy? You mean Tatum? Yeah, she stabs him. Oh, okay. Him. All right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, I was like, did, was there, did she the, kill someone else? <laughs> I missed that. I like, no, no, she stabs him. He goes around for a while before he bleeds out and passes out. <laughs> yeah. A very over-the-top de- well, death sequence it, at the end of the movie. But Interesting thing about that. So I watched this video because I was trying to learn a little bit more about this. And it was Spike Lee. He did like a, a Turner Classic Movies thing for this movie. Like they had him as a guest and he picked this movie as the one he wanted to watch. It's and he was ex- he was explaining that last part, that last scene where the guy – he's like it's one of the greatest filmed scenes in the history of cinema – and he said he even used it in, Mal- in Malcolm X. There's like a scene where they're like play in the very beginning where they play guns and uh, Denzel falls towards the camera like that. He's a to- stole just directly from this movie. Yeah, that was interesting. Like, yeah, Spike Lee loves this movie. I also saw like Martin Scorsese was talking about how this is one of the greatest films ever made. So, I mean, you're, a, in, you're in good company there. Well, it's a great you. movie. The fact that they're not real people is, is bizarre. And you don't really care about that. You like Tarantino movies. They're not real people. You like Marvel movies. You like all sorts of movies where the characters are incredibly fake and they don't represent. You're not like a, it's only cinema verite for Eric who just wants art to reflect life. No, but like That's you watch true. a Bogart movie and yes, they, they don't act like, you know, anyone I've ever known, but they're, they're just within all I'm saying is like the Tatum character, the people around him don't react the way they should. They should be like, what the fuck this guy? Like, get the fuck out of here. The guy offers him a job when he busts in and it's like, how, how do you want to save $30 a week? He's like, well, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? The, the, anybody even entertains any of the BS this guy says is just crazy. He persuades a lot of people. I mean, some of his arguments are persuasive from a self self-interest point of view. The wife is making a ton of money. You know, she's like, I'm going to, this is the first thousand bucks I've ever made in my life, which was uh, probably quite a lot of money in 1951. The corrupt sheriff, he cares about getting reelected. There's our representative for the government. We're, we're getting all these people, their, their self-interest. It, it, they, they now have a stake in this lie. The engineer wants to keep his job, which is appointed by the sheriff. So he has to, he knows that he's taking a, a very inefficient, very problematic way to get to the guy. And he goes along with it. He convinces people. And yeah, they make him uber persuasive, but it's satire and it gets the message across. I mean, I didn't need to relate to people. It's kind of a morality play and that's fine with me. I wasn't bored watching it and it's really, really visceral. I mean, there's a shot where we see people riding a Ferris wheel, right? So just like we've already talked about a little bit, but this guy who's a kind of a down and out reporter, mostly for, for his own problematic choices ends up having to, to convince a guy to give him a job at Albuquerque paper. And he's on his way to a rattlesnake hunt and uh, he stops to get gas. And it turns out there's a guy trapped in a cave, which was, you know, apparently an old native American burial ground at some point. And so he gets a sheriff to give him exclusive access to go inside the cave to talk to the guy. So he has the best, uh, you know, stories to write and, uh, and he convinces the engineering crew to take the least efficient way to get to him, to draw out the story, to maximize his leverage and the ability to make money and pull the story out. Um, now, of course, as this happens, people start to hear about the story. The newspaper goes out and people start becoming interested and they start going to this gas station and getting food at this diner. And, you know, they start wanting to see what's happening and then they get charged more and more to be able to park and be outside. And then a whole fair comes along. And so we see a Ferris wheel outside where the sky is trapped he should have been out days before, but instead we see a Ferris wheel spinning around. But isn't that over the top, like a goddamn Ferris wheel for this guy trapped in a cave? That would never happen, right? 
I don't know whether it would happen or not. I don't, I don't really care. Again, you're, you're fixated on the accuracy of it. I, I'm interested in the metaphor. It worked in the context of the story. I have no idea whether it would actually happen or not, but it works for the for the criticism, for the way this works. It doesn't have to be perfectly real to me. I don't really care about any of that. I see it. I, I buy it for the sake of the story. It, it doesn't doesn't lose me, and it's clearly we're, we're building to something, uh, and it, and it works. That shot works. The media here, we're getting this Ferris wheel. People are riding it, going around the circle, just enjoying the false. Um, positive vibes while suffering is happening just a few feet away. That that works for me as a metaphor. I, whether that would ever actually have happened in real life, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. I mean, there's all sorts of characters you like that are, are really cool and they talk in a really snappy way. I like that old way of, of talking in movies, not because I think it reflects reality that like, look at a split, we're talking fast, fast, fast. Why does he call everybody fan? Go over here, fan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Man, let me, let me tell you something. What what is he talking about? I, it's some old slang. He's a cool guy. I don't know. I don't know. That's just what he did all the time. You know, he got that younger kid to think he was he was the bee's knees, I guess. But I mean, it's and it's fine. I, I accept that's not real. I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that. Hey, this is a perfect reflection of a situation that might actually happen. I have no idea. But I know that it, like standing here, we've got the media and, and everybody's to blame. I mean, the people that that couple that stopped, like, oh, let's just stop for a half hour and they yeah. stay in the whole time. We were the I mean, first ones here, yeah, and wanted to we, make we a big point there. We're consuming it and we're part of it. Like we create this incentive because it's what we pay attention to, because our attention is so fickle that we gravitate towards the most sensational nonsense. So there's this incentive to draw stuff out to get eyeballs. I mean, there's that that cynical line, hey. Yeah, today it's news. Tomorrow they'll wrap fish in it. And obviously the media landscape has changed, but the fundamentals of this critique are still there. Uh, well, that, more... that was the thing that I constantly was thinking about in this movie too is the like the 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 way that information was transmitted back then is so bonkers compared to the way it is now. Because like he had to like see what's happening, write up his copy, and then I assumed he could like I don't know wire transfer it or some yeah, sort of. You know, wiring it to yeah, old facts or whatever, you know, basically eventually before but yeah. initially that boy had to, to run it back and forth. I think he had to drive it. From right. Because they didn't have Fidero a wire at, at the initially. Right. Yeah. So, so, so then, and then the trips. paper would have to type it up and put it in the paper and then people would get sent to the, someone's house and they'd read it the next day. And then that's how the reaction is. Whereas now it's like, you know, the second something happens, it's on Twitter and you learn about it. It's just it's such a crazy that I just couldn't stop thinking about that the whole time of watching this is like. Wow, man, the the delay and all of the time, it, you, you know, I guess that's why they had to keep him alive to keep the story going. But yeah, it's the the way media has changed. So did this movie start QAnon? Is this the early QAnon here? Then? No, but I think it explains a little bit of QAnon. Um, now we're fractured, we're splintered, right? We we're not going to a small set of sources. We're all going to the same source. Now it's splintered, and you can go online and you can get whatever brand of, of media you want. And they'll keep feeding you free base conservatism, progressivism, whatever it is. You just get it free, but you can snort it right up your nose and go further splintered. So it would look different if you made the movie today. I mean, you'd have people denying that the minor was there or thinking it's a farce. And you'd have different ways of doing it. But you'd still have people wanting to be fed stuff that's kind of bad for them and an unpleasant distraction. And there's this perverse financial incentive to, to feed people what they want. 
in this case could be QAnon conspiracy theories or you know like pro communism ideology whatever. Because uh, does anybody, you know, make the argument that Tucker Carlson is is making news? You know, like is is he, uh, he's shifting narratives, I suppose. But like, is he actually making stories, or is he just sort of, you know, giving his stupid two cents on on what's happening? I well, guess that's, that's a great question. It depends, right? So like, the M and M's got rid of the stupid. There was a green M M&M and M that had like sexy eyelashes or whatever wore stockings. I don't know what deal she was. Dressed very sexily, apparently. And Mars Corp, Incorporated, or whoever owns M&M's now, decided to get rid of that. So Tucker Carlson makes a conscious choice to talk about it and use it to uh, talk about how horrible wokeness is. And now it's transforming the stuff. Or Mr. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss. And they're choosing to make that a narrative and a story. I mean, they could just not cover it and nobody would know or care. And it wouldn't impact anybody's life that M&M's changing. Like, whatever. So in some sense, by covering it, you make it news. Um, but yeah, I don't well, know. like in this case, in the movie's case, if he had just kept driving, you know, n- none of this would have happened. They probably would have got the guy out later that day or whatever. Yeah, like, it would have been one one yeah. story maybe in the Mexico newspaper. Nobody would have known or cared. But I mean, well, think about something like Benghazi. That was how much that whatever happened in Benghazi was what happened. But people talked about it and made it a story and strung it out because there was a market for that for a lot longer from some media sources. Um. So I, I guess it depends on what you mean by making news. Well, see, like Hillary's you, emails. What 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 about the emails? You know. Sure. You string, you string that yeah. along. There's a market yeah. for that. So are you making news? I mean, it's there was an issue with her emails. That's true. How much should we talk about it? How much attention should we give it? Um. And meanwhile, everything is fleeting. I mean, people are are we still talking about Mr. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss's racist old books? No, we've moved on to other things. You just kind of constantly be aggrieved, shocked, appalled, all that's got to happen all the time now. But the difference is is back like in the 50s when there was like one newspaper, right? So there's Albuquerque Sun or whatever in in this movie. And there's like the New York Times, but they didn't even get the New York Times then. So that was like the only way you got any information, you know, like was from this one newspaper. So I guess they did have a lot more power back then. You know, well, the, indi- yeah, the individual reporter and the newspaper did. Then yeah, maybe you could never have that much leverage anymore uh, at all about, hey, I'm going to block access to this cave and nobody else can get it. And then I'm going to be able to get the New York Times to pay me a thousand dollars a day to write this story, which is I, there, that's a I lot mean, of money now. A thousand bucks now. would be I know. A day. Yeah, like, that would be an insane. Well, what is it? 300 stories. bucks a week. You know, I was like, man, that, you know, there are people that make less than that now. Um, you know, but the other thing I was thinking too, is like, there are, I guess there are examples where like people just make stuff up and it becomes the news and sure, it's later well, found out that like this, that was completely fat. I mean, like you were know, John Stockton, right? He's talking about the vaccine. 150 professional athletes have died. That's not true. That shit hasn't happened. But like, that just becomes the story and people talking about like, it's a reality. Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, it does sort of predicting the future of where people just sort of yeah, make it, up news stories. Yeah, it doesn't predict the internet, but yeah, I mean, it talks about how much power the media has, how much power we give the media, um, how it's desperately trying to give us what we want, and we want shit that's bad for us, basically, as humans, um, and we're kind of indifferent to actual suffering. 
But it's so cynical, though, right? Because like, well, that you know, appeals to me. I'm a cynical wood, guy. The Woodward and Bernstein's of the world have done like good work by having that power. You know, I mean, the power of the press. It was written into our constitution. Like, it's such a cynical way to view the press. And I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you think a lot less of the press than I do. I don't know. No, I I don't think less of the press in a general sense. This is just newspapers have to make money, so they're going to go to you know, where are the dollar bills at? You know, we're not three networks anymore. Dan Rather isn't reading the news for all of America or whomever, Tom Brokaw or whoever it was that you thought that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I, I, it, there's no doubt that this profit incentive is there. This is what's going to happen. And I'm not suggesting you want a state run media either, by the way, that just because you're criticizing this system doesn't mean you have a better one. It just doesn't mean there there is a better one. You, you wouldn't want the state one. You, you want them to be separate from the state. Although they're not in this case, right? I mean, he's in with the cop who wants to get elected. And there's probably all sorts of political stuff where newspaper articles get hush-hush because enough people have enough power with the right groups of people. I mean, I'm sure that does happen. I, maybe I'm too cynical. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked I liked the ideas. Like I said, I like this setup. I just hated the character, the Tatum. I mean, he's such a racist. The first time you see him, he says, how to the – Native Everybody's American. racist. He calls him Geronimo. Movie. It's like, Jesus Christ, this guy is so terrible. There's no reason for him to be that bad. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that, I mean, there's so many little details that I love. I mean, he, when he first gets into the Albuquerque Sun newspaper office, there's a... a like well, they're towing his car. Says, what the hell was it? They're just towing his... He had no money. He had no money. He, he, he <laughs> had to get it towed into town. He's, he's just plum broke. And so he had no choice but sure to talk this guy into... Uh, let him get a job. And the guy nicely did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why that guy was convinced. He just looked like maybe he was curious or just thought it'd be interesting. I don't know what his motivation was to, to hire Chuck Tatum, but there's that important sign that says this guy admits he's an alcoholic and was fired by all those other jobs. Yeah, yeah, not, he's sleeping job. with his boss's wife, hey, apparently. And I'll pay, but, I'll pay you more than you got before. Like what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy was an honest. I mean, there are people in the media who are represented. Well, that guy, the, the, Owner and the editor, editor guy, he's, yeah. He's he's a nice guy. He's quippy and he's he's funny and he's he's kind. But then there's that that embroidery sign that says "Tell the truth." And immediately he's like, eh, I don't like it." But uh, I mean, you know, he doesn't think it's his job to tell the truth, not in a literal sense. His job is to sell newspapers, and and that's the uh, that's an age old tension. Is your job at, in the media to tell the truth or is it to make money? Well, if you've got stockholders, you might think, hey. If I can make money, here's this profit incentive. Um, you know, I, but again, I'm, I'm probably more cynical. You tend to project a lot more well, idealism yeah, so under the world. Bezos is Washington Post, right? I mean, you got. Well, yeah, got I, I doubt the Washington Post is going to publish anything too critical of Jeff <laughs> Bezos. I doubt they're going to come out and say horrible things about him. The failing yeah, New York true. Times. Well, sure. <laughs> um, but you, and you're going to go to where your bread's buttered and newspapers themselves are on life support. I mean, yeah, they're just barely chugging along. So because um, they're competing with online sources that'll, I said, it's, it's just high octane, whatever you want, whatever kind of political ideology you want, it's here for you. We've got it bottled up and ready for you to just slam down. But I, I like the cynicism. It registers with me like immediately. Everybody's racist in the movie. Uh, I mean, literally you have these, you know, white people exploiting native americans right you talk about the plundering of this burial site for pots to sell um they charge people for access and the people are, are doing great like the younger kid I, I, I keep thinking of jimmy like from 
Superman, like Jimmy Olsen or something, but the, the Jimmy Olsen type character, the younger one. He's like, I got this medicine man to do a whole ceremony of, to ward out the evil spirits, not believing a second of it, but using it to exploit people and because, you know, stupid white people will eat it up. And people are selling and buy, are buying, you know, Native American stuff as souvenirs in this schlocky capitalist way. Uh, it's, it's all part of the criticism. Um, and, you know, okay, so the, the main character who is unlikable from the beginning gets stabbed and then dies at the end. I don't think the movie views him favorably or likes that ideology, uh, but it acknowledges those people exist and they have an incentive to do what they do. And, and, and that resonates with me. I, you know, and it's, like, it's I, interesting I, I, that this movie was, from what I read, wasn't like really well thought of when it came out. Cause like you said, it's, it's for the follow-up from sunset Boulevard, but it didn't, I think it won a, maybe an Oscar for screenplay or something, but didn't really win anything else. And even Spike Lee mentioned when he was doing that, that panel that I mentioned, he, he said it was like one thought of as kind of a bomb and uh, the critics didn't love it when it came out. So yeah, I, w- it, I wonder why that is. It just it was well, just too harsh, of, it's too harsh. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of movie people would think is fun to go see. You know, you're going to have a night out at the pictures. Let's go, let's go see the pictures, honey. Let's see Ace in the Hole, which will make us feel real shitty about how we consume news. I mean, is that, I'm not surprised. It's not the kind of movie that's ever going to be popular. It is very cynical. It, it views the human condition with an absolutely unapologetic and uh, unhappy lens. There are lots of bad people, and, and I, I said, I, I mean, it criticizes us. I think as as consumers of media, so I don't, I don't think anybody's spared because you can't just blame Chuck Tatum for being awful. He's awful, and you can blame him somewhat, but he gets all these other people to be complicit in this whole situation. The guy's wife, the engineer. Uh, you know, the sheriff. Well, the engineer wanted to get him out the right way. He was sort of forced to do it the way they told him. He could have just said, no, I'm not going to do it. He could have said, no, I'm not going to do it the incorrect way. He could have at any point gone to the media and said, hey, you know what? This guy told me. He told me to do the drill because it would take long because he wanted to milk it. Could have done that at any point in time. He didn't. He absolutely did. I suppose. Uh, so other thing I was going to mention, you watched the Simpsons. Have you ever watched the Simpsons or did you go on a, I've never, can you explain to me what the Simpsons are? I've never heard of them. <laughs> it's before. an yes, animated show. <laughs> yes. Of no, course. I've uh, seen the, it's been a long time, but I have seen the Simpsons before. It so used to I, be I, yeah, I used to watch it all the time back in the nineties. I have not watched it at all, but yeah, me, did you remember well. the episode where Bart faked the, the kid stuck in the well thing? Do you remember that? It was like one of their first seasons. He used like a I, microphone. I don't. It's been too long. Okay. I may have seen it before. I could watch it and memories but would come back. But it's been I too thought long. of that when I was watching this in a, on Wikipedia. They, there's like a little reference to it that um, basically used this movie like as a way. You know, The Simpsons would always do that. They'd take like a sort of movie idea sure. and make a whole episode about it. But The Simpsons is a reference almost every movie ever. Yeah, like yeah. At some point. So I, that was funny to me. I was thinking about this. I guess like, yeah, like a Simpsons episode and then it's mentioned uh-huh. here. All right, so I mean, I think we're, we're reaching a, a, I wouldn't call it an impasse. The, it, it's too cynical, it's too implausible for you. Uh, the, you know, and protagonist is too awful, too vile, for you. Um, uh, meanwhile, the cynicism resonates with me on a deep level. But again, I'm I'm a pretty deep cynic about the human condition. So you know, maybe it's just me what I'm bringing to it. But you've seen it. Kirk Douglas is overwrought. He's all over the place. He's bulldozing the set with his high octane performance. I mean, it is it is visceral. His yeah, he's at like a he's at like a fifteen out of ten through most it's, of this movie. 
it, it's as high octane intense of a performance uh, uh, in I don't want to say I don't want to be hyperbolic. There's probably more intense performances uh, from hyper uber masculine well, shitty the, dudes. The other thing about I was thinking about is like I know his son more. Like I've seen a sure. few Kirk Douglas movies. Like we, we were talking before we recorded the the Kubrick movie. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Pass the Glory. Like I've, I've, I've seen part of Spartacus. Like I've seen some of his movies before. But like his son, you know, Michael Douglas is the one I know. I know him, and he's they're so different because Michael Douglas is this just like always rich guy. Like when I think of him, he's just smarmy this, rich dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Wall Street kind of. You know, he's that. That's him. Oh, yeah. Um, but but Kirk Douglas is just like this bulldozer, you know, this just tough sort of blue collary kind of guy. It's it's interesting how different they are. He's the kind of guy yeah, who seems like he pulled himself up by the bootstraps. He's more like Russell Crowe. He actually reminds me a little bit of Russell sure. Crowe. Yeah, I can see that. He's, I think, more charismatic and compelling than Russell Crowe. But maybe uh, that's I don't know. I don't know. I might, I might push back on that. Oh. Russell Crowe is oh. like one of my favorite actors. So really? Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One of your favorite <laughs> actors is Russell Crowe. Okay. Have Fair you enough. not seen Virtuosity, Ben? I have not seen Virtuosity. Oh. You need to see Virtuosity. It's. I didn't he see is the one where bonker, he... he is bonkers in that movie. If you want to think like like Kirk Douglas, watch Virtuosity. It's very. I mean, it's different. A totally different movie because he plays like a, uh, basically a, a um, computer program. <laughs> But he is just at like a 15, that whole movie, just all over the place. So yeah, I know he has a recent on. one where he plays the guy angry with road rage. And he's yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Southern affectation. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty silly and schlocky. But no, if that makes sense. If Russell Crowe's your kind of guy, then then that makes sense. Although it's yeah, he is. you don't like Kirk Douglas more. I mean, Kirk Douglas seems like a real man's man. It was just over the top. It was just over the top. It was too much for me. Okay. Fair um, enough. Well, so give it a rating. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, what's I your letterbox Ebert rating here? I, I give it a five. I mean, this is the kind of movie. Whoa! Our first five. I, I'm compelled the whole time I watch it. I'm not bored for one second. I don't sit there and think, oh my god, we have to do this, this, this. I mean, there's like no. It might be over the top in terms of its tone, but it doesn't waste any time. It's super efficient and it gets there and does the job really, really quickly without any wasted movement. It's it's awesome. In that regard, there's a lot of fantastic shots in it. I like Kirk Douglas' performance. I mean, it's it's necessarily over the top. I think uh, you could rein it down a little bit, but everything about this movie is going for over the top. It is it is balls to the walls criticism, opening frame to the ending frame, with a character just flopping down, dying at the at the uh, newspaper place where the movie started, and and I can't stop thinking about it. It's a movie just like my brain's racing some point it'll it'll side out of my consciousness but i just keep thinking about it all the time and it just gets me going so it, it does those two things that i want I, I can't i don't have a serious criticism of it. the only thing i would i would possibly consider is yeah maybe rain kirk Douglas a tiny bit maybe but that's also part of the fun it's just how insane insane he is now he persuades everybody and he beats the shit out of a cop and anyway yeah I, for, for me it's another one of those movies i like some of the ideas i just didn't like the movie like I didn't like what happened. I thought it was kind of silly that it was all about this guy stuck in a in a cave, and I mean the idea of him building this story and using the press to, it you know basically for his own personal gain I think is an interesting idea. I like like I said I like the conceit now it was set up and the criticisms of the media and and the press. I just I, I didn't enjoy the movie all that much. Um, 
I, I give I give it a two and a half. That's what I had at it. So we are like way apart on this movie. Um, and again, like uh, older movies, I have a sometimes have a harder time with connecting. Um, there are some that I love. Like I think Sunset Boulevard. I think I gave it a would give that a five. Like I thought that movie was flawless. But this movie, he just like hated everybody in it and hated everything about what was happening. And again, it just doesn't for me. It's it's not like a a fun watch to for me to rate a movie that high. To, to have just like sort of slogged my way through it because of how how terrible everybody in the movie is and the whole situation. Yeah, so that's interesting. I'm just bringing up Sunset Boulevard. I mean, that's a movie that also is rife with with criticism, satire, but it's certainly not as over the top. So it just it, it's a lot more subtle than this movie. Right, and so that that's why I was able to resonate with you a little bit more, even though. You kind of like the protagonist in Sunset Boulevard, but he's also got his own problems. Was it William Hurt or Holden? William Holden? Yeah, uh, but but his motivations. I mean, I guess Kirk Douglas's motivations were just, he just wanted to get back and you know his be a reporter again and get his job back and wealth and whatever. But like in Sunset Boulevard, the, the guy, yes, he wanted to write the screenplay and you know use his 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 relationship with this woman as a way to increase his standing too but he also like cared about what he was doing and didn't like the story she wanted to push right because she had her own story and he didn't think it was very good so you know he had personal morals i guess in in this movie in ace in the hole chuck tatum had no morals this guy was he does just, by the end he does by the end but yeah well i guess yeah because they said they were gonna they could he's like go ahead and go in the other way and the guy said we can if we go in the thing will collapse and so yeah, he then he feels the last bad. Time. Yeah. But it's too late. So he, he doesn't have a conscience. I mean, it doesn't redeem him. It doesn't doesn't make his actions excusable. And he gets his just desserts. But he does realize, oh, yeah, this is, I took this too far. But that also, too, is like, what did you think was going to happen? You know what I mean? This guy's trapped. He can't move his legs for 12 days. You think he's going to be okay? Like, how naive is that? That's the other part. It was like, you're surprised the guy's going to die? Like, of course he's going to die. That also didn't make sense to me. Why all of a sudden just change of heart? I mean, I think he was – well, a couple things happened. I mean, he, he's change of heart. It was one – I don't think he thought about it much. He just saw the opportunities like, this is my ticket. It's my ticket out of Albuquerque back to New York, and I can give everybody else in my profession the old what for for screwing me over. And then he also started to really like the guy. I mean, as he was talking to him, I think he genuinely bonded with the guy that was dying. And, and that is part of where his empathy and his moral compass came in. He's like, oh man, I feel really bad for this guy. He's a World War II vet. Uh, yeah, he's he maybe overstated how nice his store was, uh, you know, when he married the woman. I, but he, but he seems like a genuinely nice guy, and the guy trusted him, and he felt really guilty. But again, it doesn't redeem him. But it's it, it makes the story a little more palpable when he's he's not completely indifferent, and he punches out the sheriff and tries to change the story and then he has has to announce to everybody that it failed and everybody leaves right like the second the second it fails everybody's gone I mean, it's how fleeting media coverage is now that those poor parents are sitting there stuck with a dead son and nobody everybody's there is gone and they, there's nobody there to help no no that's part of the criticism that works anyway sorry uh, I, I'm I'm obviously sharing this movie with an insane amount of love because well think I think your 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 opinion is more in line with most movies. Yes, the cinema greats, the the best filmmakers yeah. of all time agree with me, and they they disagree with you. How does that make you feel, Eric? I don't know. I, I it makes me wonder. <laughs> what is wrong with me?
Um, all right. Well, let's 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 connect this out. I mean, we're we're doing our five degrees of separation from field of dreams. So why don't you start us off this time? Because I'm super curious how you got from Ace in the Hole to yeah, Field of Dreams. Yeah. It it took me it took me a minute, and um, there was one movie that unlocked it for me. Because I had like a, we were kind of chatting earlier, I had a hard time finding other Kirk Douglas movies that have anybody that I've ever heard of. And um, the one that unlocked it for me, this is a really obscure movie, but for whatever reason, my mom always watched this movie. It's called Oscar. Oh, Uh, It's from the early 90s. Um, It stars Sylvester Stallone. And I think Marissa Tomei is in it. Uh, But it's it's a weird Stallone movie. He's like a gangster, but his dad is dying. And he, like... He's he runs around the house and he he's got all this like all these jobs he has to do. It's kind of a comedy. It's a weird movie if you think I, I haven't seen it for a long time. But it's like one of those movies that my mom was like always watching. I don't know why. Um, it's really interesting. Okay. But his dad is played by Kirk Douglas. He's the dying gangster in the movie. So uh, so so from Ace in the Hole to Oscar with Kirk Douglas and Stallone, and then from Stallone I went to Tango and Cash. Uh, another sort of late '80s, early '90s kind of action movie. Um, just a just a banger of a movie, Tango and Cash, uh, which starts Kurt Russell, like I said, with with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Sure. Uh, Kurt Russell is in a movie called Three Thousand Miles to Graceland, uh, where he plays Elvis as well, as, or like an Elvis impersonator, yep. as well as Kevin Costner. And then Kevin Costner is in Field of Dreams, the greatest Iowa sports movie ever made. Got it. Okay. Yeah, we took a very different route. I mean, we, we, we landed there via Kevin Costner, but our route's totally different. Um, so Ace in the Hole, right? All right. So Kirk Douglas is in a lot of movies. You, you don't watch old movies. I do. So this was less challenging and more fun for me. So Kirk Douglas was in a movie called Gunfight at the OK Corral in, like, I think, 1957. And he stars in that movie with Burt Lancaster. And it's, I know you're a big fan of the Tombstone film, Eric. This is a, another telling of that. That they, it's probably been There's probably been several of the gunfight, the OK Corral situation in it. But uh, Kirk Douglas and Burt Lancaster are Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp, I think, cor- um, respectively, and the other ones that, that fight the gangsters. So Burt Lancaster uh, is in a movie. Wait, oh, movie. Is, that, is that a good movie, the gunfight at the OK Corral? It's, it's not one I've ever seen. Good but we- I've seen I, it on I like a good Western. I like a good Western. I, I've seen it on lists before somewhere, but okay. I've never seen it. Um, but it was still kind of in the heyday of the Western, and that could be a fun one. I mean, I, I think Kirk Douglas would play a pretty mean uh, cowboy, potentially. Uh, he's, he's Doc Holliday, right? Yeah, he plays Doc Holliday. Yeah, so that'd be an interesting one. And already, if you, you can go for Burt Lancaster to Field of Dreams, but we've got a couple more stops first. So then Burt Lancaster is in a movie called Atlantic City in 1980. He plays this guy, kind of a has-been gangster, who over overstates how, how tough he was and how many people he killed. And he gets involved with uh, Susan Sarandon, who's like a waitress, and he en- ends up trying to sell some cocaine that was stolen. So there's people after him. It's a really, really good movie. It's a very depressing like view of Atlantic City. This is a time when Atlantic City was like decaying and decrepit and not reinvigorated. Maybe that's what it's like now too. But it's it's an, it's not full of life. It's a very downer of a movie, but it's really interesting. Anyway, uh, you go Susan Sarandon gets you to Bull Durham with Kevin Costner. Uh, you know, the old, the baseball movie. I don't know if you've seen Bull Durham, but that's who's Oh, uh, yeah, have Yeah, and Kevin Costner gets you to Field of Dreams. So, 
All right. Totally different routes. So now, Eric, you are picking the movie for the next time, and I'm really curious. I haven't heard it yet. What are we watching next? Uh, next movie, we are going to watch the Christopher Nolan film Memento. It's on, uh, it's on HBO Max. Uh, so check it out. It's a fabulous movie, and I'm very excited to rewatch it. Okay. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for still listening. We appreciate it. Like, subscribe, anything you can to help our metrics. It means a lot. Love you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.